selfies i'm dumb okay <laughs> yeah so welcome this episode i think what we will be doing is we'll be talking about institutionalized racism what does it mean to the ordinary person on the street i'm ordinary ref t amasha is ordinary marsha we're not that ordinary though we're special people aren't you so they say we are special people yes are you sure? Yeah, man, we are. We are definitely we, we are, special. We are special people, and we're sitting in the breakfast room, and we thought we'd just sit down and um, just give our own thoughts. And Marsha did write something that was very um, significant. This is our, her own reflection. She doesn't speak on behalf of other people, but um, maybe it may resonate with other people of colour as well. This is her own response to. Um, this whole idea that institutionalised racism within the UK does not exist. Um, go ahead. It's official. There is no institutional racism in England. And Britain is the model country for white Western countries. Mm, really? What does it say about what I feel and have experienced as a black woman born and grown in the UK? Me, I'm a token black. I will get a job because I have a straight nose, mid-complexion, not too dark, not too light. I have a soft English accent and so-called nice hair, as we have been indoctrinated to think is better. Not too thick, but acceptably curly to white society. The type of hair everyone in the office wants to touch with intrigue and wonder. KMT. I am the token black. There is only ever one of me in the workforce. If we join together, then that would be offensive and we would be considered a gang. If I ask for a raise or promotion, I should be thankful I even have a job. When I was in, at secondary school, our group of black friends were considered a gang. Now, my definition of a gang means an organised group of criminals. This was not who we were. This was the dialogue of words used against us to describe our friendship and all the way through my education, KMT. When I was in primary school, I was considered a ringleader. Definition, what that means? A person who initiates or leads an illicit or illegal activity. At seven years old, I was someone who could lead. Why was it considered a negative? A white child would have been developed for leadership. Next prime minister, maybe. This is institutional racism. 
How do you quantify it or document this to officially conclude that there is no institutional racism in England? KMT. I say, black people, document your own truth. Write it down so that we can understand that the way we are treated is not a chip on our shoulder or a figment of our imagination. Let us come together and be our brother's keeper. KMT. Mm. KMT. What do you mean by KMT? KMT. It's used so often, but KMT (laughs) to me is the kindness and mercy to transform my thoughts in that drops before I do something that could be devastating to you. So when I kiss my teeth, I'm not necessarily cussing you, but I am asking for the kindness and mercy to transform my attitude towards what you have sent to me. Respect, respect. Mm-hmm. Booyaka, booyaka. Couldn't resist doing that, but yeah, it's important that we write our own reflections. I just remember when I heard the headlines that it's official institutionalised racism within the UK does not exist. It almost felt like it was um, uh, now black people, shut up, don't say anything, don't do anything. What you've experienced is not real. Um, And to me, it's like someone being raped and then being told it wasn't rape. So, um, yeah. One of those situations where you knew it was coming, you knew the report was was coming, and uh, and you knew what the outcome was going to be. It doesn't really matter whether it was black or white people writing this. Um, we just knew what the results would be, simply because it's historical, it's a pattern, um, it's a way of being. And so it is disappointing, but also expected as well. Yeah, I use the an- analogy um, where a master will have slaves on a plantation and the slave will have uh, slaves out there on the ground on the plantation and uh, slaves that work in the house and the slaves in the house are much higher than the ones outside and you'll find that the uh, slaves in the house will treat the ones that are outside harshly even dish out punishment just like the slave master in order to uh, gain recognition and to be looked and rewarded um, well by the master Um, but they're both slaves and they're both in pain and so when you have a group of people writing a report that suits the government, that um, does not parallel the narrative for um, black people, you know, they are slaves. They are slaves. That's my assertion. They are slaves um, to the government and to the system. And they're not there living the story that we live. Um, our pain is real. It's not superficial. It doesn't go away. It's been going on for over 400 years. And we know what it is. Um, you know, for me, I don't really understand racism. Do you, Marsh? Not really. Um, but I think it's basically fear. You know, fear of not knowing the other person, or fear that we're gonna that they will take away what they are, the privileges that they already have. You know, mm. and I think that's the, the depths of it, really. Mm. I suppose it is. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I find it very difficult to understand racism. And I know that um, even on Facebook, people have asked me to, um, I suppose, explain where they are going wrong in terms of racism, but I can't explain it to them. Um, I'm on the receiving end of racism. 
mm. not the one that's dishing it out. And, you know, even when you try to explain, they still still don't get it. Well, it's really hard to explain. I don't get racism. Mm. I don't think we should have to try and explain either because it's not necessarily our problem or, our, you know, so when the whole idea of racism comes up, they want us to explain what is it? How can we do this? How, how can we change? But we can't work out why you are the way you are. And you need to look inside yourselves and think to yourself, well, why is it that we choose to treat some people because of the colour of their skin differently from this? And I know it's like deep-seated. It's not necessarily um, just simply you, but it's a you know generational thing that you've learnt. And mm. so it is obviously difficult to work out why when you've done it just like this all of your life. But yeah, everyone has to look back in the past sometimes. We as black people have to look into our past and think to ourselves, well, why are we not empowered? Because we don't know who our forefathers are to empower us. Mm. What does it mean to our family? How have we been dealing with it? No, it's been quite difficult, hasn't it, bless them? Because we've been in our homes... We've been just trying to get through this whole lockdown thing. Mm. And it simply seems like it's been one attack after another. You know, you're sitting down, minding your own business. One minute, you know, we are the ones who are going to contract the COVID more so than anyone else. <laughs> so we're under attack. Then we have George Floyd. You know, we actually see a black man being killed by police officers again we feel under attack you know what i mean mm. and then you know you get this whole there is no institutional racism thing and we're just minding our own business just trying to survive the lockdown like everyone else mm. but still you feel oppressed and attacked in your own home so i think that's how it's um been for us as a family mm. yeah it's, it's, it's quite funny when uh covid first happened out there in the other country, China, um, and how they uh, started to point the finger on the black man. And I knew from then on, exactly, it was 2019 when I started pointing the finger at the, the black man, I think it was. And uh, once I saw that, I knew it was a foretaste of what was to come. And so we've always been a target, even in this time of... Uh, uh, pandemic um we are the target where the the center of um conversation black people not wanting to take the vaccine black people are most likely to die etc black 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 um and the focus always turns on to us um and yeah we have to rise above that and it's there's this point where we're being pushed that we can no longer be silent about the institutionalised racisms or the experiences that we're, we're going through. We have to share it. We have various platforms to share it. Otherwise, if we don't, um, this whole saga continues and continues and continues. But I feel that we're at breaking point. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean violence. It just means being outspoken. And I believe that the... Um, the generations that are coming up um, won't stand for this foolishness. So, yeah, I do hope and pray that there is some change, even if it's small, every, um, I suppose, um, hammer on a chisel on a, on a prison wall, um, every knock year by year, um, there's going to be a breakthrough, I believe. Mm, 
And I think, again, you know, as I said before, it's about documenting our own truths. So when you listen to one person's or read someone's truth and another person's truth, and then when you see these two truths correlating, you go, okay, well, that wasn't just happening to me. That was happening to you also. So maybe there is something real in Mm. this. Um, Yeah, you just can't keep quiet. You have to write it down. And I think we are all very um, privileged to be able to have different mediums. You don't have to be in written. It can be recorded. It can be song. It can be anything. There's so many different mediums now that we can actually say our truth. And, um, yeah. Mm. I suppose the uh, question is, what is truth? What is truth? What is truth? My mum always used to say there's always three sides to the truth. There's your side, my side, and what happened. Mm -hmm. What happened? (laughs) Yeah, we want to share what happens and uh, all the other um, issues that are going on out there. Everybody wants to tell their story. But it has to be the truth. Um, and I know that um, just like in court and just like in the newspapers, even worse in the newspaper, the truth can be extended until it turns into a lie. And so we have to be so careful that we tell our truth um, and tell it how it is. I think, yeah, I was watching Holby City and um, uh, Dr. Hansen has to uh, uh, take care of a patient who happens to be his old, old um, tutor master um, who had sexually abused him. Um, and he's only now just sharing to the police, you know, that this is what happened to him. Um, but this teacher master kept saying to him, no one's going to believe you. And he could hear that ringing in his head that nobody's going to believe him um, because he's only just sharing it now. And um, I suppose, you know, the, the parallel is with uh, the institutionalized racism is that we've been talking about it for, you know, so many years now and we're trying to share it and... And now there's a report that um, basically says, shut up, no one's going to believe you. Um, But we shall continue sharing it um, on various platforms. We will not be silent about it at all. And this is, you know, a message within our society, our families, you know, in the companies that we work, and also within the church and other religious organisations. We cannot allow racism to persist or institutionalized racism is real it's it's it is experience and it does hurt as well so something a bit more uh, lighter so Marsha, if you were a type of food what type of food would you be and why Hmm, maybe a cucumber because i'm cool and i'm refreshing and i can go with lots of things to Tony top or Tony down. <laughs> okay, lovely. For me, it would be pineapple. I love pineapples. I love the citric flavor, the sweetness, the roundness, and uh, and from where it comes from as well, from the tropics. Um, pineapples are beautiful fruit. I just love that. I could eat at any time, especially with mum's um, pineapple upside down cake. That is the one with the cherry in the middle. Um, and if she does it square, it's the corner bit that I like. But everybody fights over the corner, don't they? Mm. Marsha. <laughs> There's four of them. You know, we shouldn't really have to fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Greedy. 
So if there's something positive that you would like to leave for our listeners, what would that be? KMT. KMT. Kindness. Mercy transforms. And that's all I'm going to say about that. For kindness and mercy, it can transform the world. So kindness and mercy transforms. KMT. So um, will you KMT, um, everybody out there, KMT to you, kindness and mercy transforms. So that means that uh, even though we may have enemies and people that hurt us and we may have 400 years of, uh, of hurt and pain and we might have generational um, pains and historical pains that we have, uh, kindness and mercy transforms. So we have to show forgiveness towards others. I know in some areas of life, people uh, think that uh, uh, forgiveness is a weakness, but it does free us. It does help us to live a fuller life, not being bound by the things of the past. Um, so it is important that uh, we forgive as God has called us to forgive. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? Mm. Amen. amen. So I think that's it. I think we can uh, call this a wrap. Um, yeah, thank you, Mrs. Ashley, Marsha Ashley, marvelous Marsha. Thank you, love your smile. Bless you, terrific Tony. Keep doing what you're doing. You are making a difference.